Hello, and welcome to The Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman. I am your host, and I am very excited to be joined once again by my co-host and partner in crime, the Fulham Flyer, the Shawangunk Express, the Ellie Greenwood, to my Ellie Kemper, Phil Vondra. Welcome back to The Pain Cave, my friend. It is so good to be back. The, uh, the holiday special is always one of my favorites. It's only once a year for us, but uh, it's, it's a good time, you know? Phil, every day is like a holiday when I'm hanging out with you. I hear you, man. I love it when the two of us are roasting chestnuts on the open fire, though, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately, it's by 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 Zoom, and, and I thought I saw some chestnuts when you were leaning up against the Zoom then, but uh, I don't know. But uh, yeah, anyway. We're going to get into our year-end holiday special podcast with uh, Debo in just a few minutes, but before we start, oh, yeah. what are we drinking tonight? What are we drinking? All right, so I'm going back to my roots. Roots, I loaded up at the mothership a little while back. Um, I'm doing other half. It's a Montuaca and Galaxy Hops. Uh, it's a double dry hopped Imperial Indian Pale Ale. Holy Coming crap. Coming in at a very, very lean 8.5%, so it's a little lower than I normally like, but uh, yeah, it's cracking. Oh my gosh. I have a Peak Organic Brewing Slim Hazy, a Hoppy Hazy IPA. But nowhere near eight percent. So, well, that's good. You might go the distance tonight. So, yeah, I, I had I'm I'm a little tired even coming in today. So I needed to keep it a little light. I hear you, man. I, I had an hour and a half of skate ski on top of running today. I'm I'm a little broken. I know we brought in the we brought in the snow for the Christmas cheer. So good, right? Should have had a <laughs> little eggnog in our water bottles on the run today. <laughs> All right. That's good. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. So what we want to do tonight is we're going to do our kind of year-end pod special and and go through a lot of our fun and favorite categories. But it has been a while since we've been on the show. And uh, despite, you know, coronavirus and everything else, you know, severely limiting the race schedule this year, it's been a couple months and there were a couple of big events that we wanted to kind of blow through real quick and just uh, talk about briefly uh, in terms of recent event uh, results before we brought on Dylan for the the rest of the show. So, I mean, the big thing that that we were kind of previewing a little bit in our last show, which was, uh, I think, in October, was just before the Golden Trail World Series Championships presented by Solomon at, at the the Azores, which Azores, Azores, we still don't know. No, nobody seems to know, but that's okay. As Phil, you informed us last time, this is an island somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, or a series of islands, yeah. I guess. And um, because most of the events on the Golden Trail tour were canceled this year, this was kind of given some added uh, significance, I guess. And it, it actually played out as a stage race, which was pretty cool. I didn't I didn't know that going in, but uh, it, was, it was kind of fun to follow a stage race that they kind of set up in, you know, real uh, Grand Tour cycling style with a, a prologue, and they had sprinters jerseys, climbers jerseys, they had a downhilling jersey. It was kind of fun to follow the different categories. Yeah, it was that was really fun. I like that. The uh, the downhilling sounds sounds kind of cool. Sounds kind of dangerous, but uh, sounds definitely fun. It looked dangerous just looking at some of the video that we saw there, and like you know, knee deep mud, really really sketchy trails in some places. And uh, some some places where it looked like the trails weren't even particularly cut through the woods. It was kind of just yeah. like, uh, you know, yeah. put up a couple flags you go and go. Doors, you're like, we want to cut a trail this way. And they're like, sure, do it. <laughs> they just cut trails wherever they wanted. Uh, but yeah, the, the whole setup looked really good. Um, you know, I think uh, 
it's uh, something that is probably going to catch on, in my opinion. I think so. I hope so. I mean, it's, you know, stage racing is always really intriguing and it's, you know, it's fun. It's fun to follow. I mean, there's a reason why cycling is super, you know, popular in Europe, uh, even more so than trail running, obviously. And uh, I think this this definitely could catch on, especially if it's like a couple times a year kind of thing. Two uh, poles atop the podium overall. I'm going to let you, I'll, I'm going to take the easy one and tell you that Maud Mathis won for the women. And uh, you can tell us who won for the men. Well, they call him Bart, apparently. But uh, yeah, if you uh, if you want to pronounce his last name, it's Predza Wojowski. So uh, yeah, a valiant he, effort. Valiant he had a good one. Well, yeah, when I'm on my third beer and I had a gin and tonic, the <laughs> I speak a little Polish, you know. Uh, yeah, so they they took the the top spots on the overall over to Americans, Jim Wamsley uh, on the men's side, who I think won the last two stages, if I r- uh, remember correctly. I think Bert, uh, Bart yeah. won the first two. Jim won the last two, and then and Rachel Drake on the women's side. Um, you know, a name that we kind of talk about every now and then, but uh, she's not one of the the real um, kind of more well-known women, but uh, really a very impressive performance to to finish second to Maude on the women's side. Yeah, I think I think it was a decent showing. I mean, you know, I, I don't know how Jim's kind of build up was for it, but uh, I think it was a decent showing, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. new format. And, uh, you know, the, the trails were definitely harder than he was used to. So I think it was uh, was good overall. The the other two races that we want to touch on from kind of the October time frame, Big's Backyard was, as usual, a lot of fun to follow. Uh, the format a little bit different this year because of COVID and, and kind of a fun, interesting format where, you know, they, they were limited to the amount of people that they could put in any one place, obviously. So yeah, uh, Big's actual backyard down in Tennessee had only uh, 15 runners, uh, all American, and that was mirrored in, I think, 20 countries around the world excuse me, running at the same time, also with about 15 runners from each country. And uh, so we, we got to have um, individual uh, battles in each spot, an overall team title, and then an overall winner. Yeah, that was very cool. That was really, really interesting. I mean, that was like a lot of internet time, uh, <laughs> you know, watching these races around the world. It was, it was, that was a lot of fun, I think. It was great. You know, one of the highlights of the year. Yeah, it was, it, it, it was you know, so before we before we kind of criticize or break that down a little bit, we'll just uh, quickly go over the results there, or at least the 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 results that kind of came down to the end. In the U.S., the U.S. and um, the Swedes were the the top two teams, and they were the two teams that had runners remaining at the end. Uh, on the U.S. side, we had three runners make it to 50 hours, uh, and then two runners remained for the next uh, 18 hours. Uh, that was Harvey Lewis, who was uh, second to. Uh, Guillaume Calmets uh, a few years back in the race that I think kind of defined the the modern era of of the Bigs backyard, and yeah. uh, it was he going up against Courtney, who was second, obviously a couple of years ago to Johan Steen in the race that I think brought Bigs into the kind of public consciousness. Uh, the two of them went to the sixty eight hour mark, which is actually uh, funnily enough where where Courtney had to bow out to Johan a couple of years ago. This time it was uh, Harvey who had to call it quits. And uh, and Courtney got the win for the U.S. Uh, 68 hours, a new U.S. record, new women's record uh, going past uh, her previous results. Um, but, you know, as as at all backyard ultras, um, once one person once only one person is left, the race is over. And in this case, you know, Courtney and Harvey were still also kind of competing with the two Swedes who were going at the same time. I think you mean Belgians, right? Don't you? I'm sorry, I meant Belgians. Belgians, the Swedes. Yeah, it's, 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 it's all they're kind all the of same. the same, right? It's Pretty like much. Other side of the pond, that kind of thing. Um, Easy on the peak organic over there, Tiger. 
<laughs> so, uh, yeah, so, you know, for, uh, unfortunately, um, you know, Courtney was done at that point. I mean, I'm sure she was psyched to be done, but she also didn't get a chance to, uh, you know, keep going. And, you know, the, the two Belgians, thank you, were able to break the 72-hour, 300-mile barrier with Carl Sabby, the uh, AT, FKT record holder, I think is what he's best known for on this side of the pond, uh, becoming the new individual world champion and leading the Belgians to the team title. Yeah. And that that does lead you to believe that next year Big's Backyard could be a very, very exciting race, right? I, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's never going to be, it, it's funny, it's never going to be, you know, UTMB or Western States or anything else, but it's going to be one of the big stories of the year every year, I think, in our little corner of the world from now on. And, and oddly enough, it's definitely going to be one of these weird uh, things that breaks through into the mainstream a little bit every year, oh, I think. This, yeah, this is, re I mean, it's very, very, like, watchable, right? I mean, it's just so kind of easy to sit there, like, watching the video feeds, refreshing. He's going to be selling camping spots for $1,000 for the uh, entirety of the event. You can go down there, have a moonshine bar, uh, you know, have a little, um, like, EDM going on. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of excitement to be had down at Big's Backyard. And it's it's just easy to understand. Like the the yeah. you know the concept is just so straightforward and so brilliant. Um, it's you know we've we've spoken at length about Bigs before, and this won't be the last time, obviously. But that was like you said, you know the the virtual backyard was a highlight of the early part of the year, and and certainly the World Championships a, a highlight of this part of the year. So I you know regardless the, uh, of what the uh, the the format is next year, it's going to continue to be a big a big deal. Yeah, I think the word is gladiatorial. Would that be correct? Yeah, for sure. For the sure. sort of the, the battling psychological aspect of it is uh, it's pretty exciting. So uh, yeah. the Havelina hundred, one of the kind of jewels of the late season trail racing crown. Yeah. Um, Pat Regan, the three time defending champ, was not there, um, and uh, a very good performance by um, by Tim Tolson to take the win. Yeah, thirteen twenty eight, decent decent time, solid. Um, and then Nicole Bitter winning for the women's uh, race, uh, fifteen seventeen. Mm -hmm. Strong run from her. Yeah, it so, was good. Uh, that was that was cool. Yeah, that good to a, see that was some a great race good, as well. Good to see some brand name ultra runners getting after it there. Uh, you know, not certainly not the deepest fields we've seen in the past, but uh, you know, still yeah. still good, very good, still strong decent, performances. Good times. Uh, the the highlights of the last couple of weeks we want to touch on very briefly because uh, we don't want to go too long on this. The JFK 50 was a huge, a huge story for a number of reasons, and I think we'll probably get into some of them with Debo a little bit later. But just on the performance side, we were very excited about the men's field going in. Uh, did not disappoint. Hayden Hawks came away with a win and a, I, I, I don't know if I would say stunning, but a surprising course record. You know, uh, you know Jim Wamsley, obviously the course record holder there. We don't see Jim course records go down all that often, and that record was about. I don't want to, uh, I'm going to guess a little bit, but if I remember correctly, it was about 14 or 15 minutes faster than anyone had run there before um, or since, actually. Yeah. Uh, and Hayden was able to take about three minutes out of that with a, a 518, I believe. Uh, yeah. You know, and then uh, Camille Heron winning for the women, 631 for her. 631, a, a solid time. Um, yeah, a few but, minutes ahead of second place, I think. So, right. so. And, and a, ni a nice bounce back for her after what was really a tough fall with a couple of DNFs that we'll we'll touch on a little bit later, right. uh, including it at uh, Javelina. Um, you love to touch on her DNFs, don't you? You love that. I mean, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, moving on. 
Moving on quickly, two great performances we wanted to highlight coming out of Tunnel Hill, which is always a a venue for fast times, right? Yeah, seriously. I mean, 1219, that's absolutely motoring, right? Taggart Van Van Netten. Taggart Van Etten with uh, 1219, second fastest time at on that course to uh, Zach's 1208 from last year. And, um, I, I, you know, technically, I guess the second fastest trail 100 ever on North American soil. Uh, for yeah, whatever that's pretty worth. good for his first ever ultra marathon and his first ever, you know, trip to uh, trail running. Yeah, if, yeah. if you call time, if you call it trail running, you know. exactly. And and yeah, that I, that I think yeah, is yeah, enough to to dispel the notion that it's a trail. But that's fine. Right. Um, and and yeah, just an unbelievable uh, debut performance there. Um, I'm hoping to get uh, Taggart on the show in the near future so we can learn a little bit more about uh, who he is and, and his training because reading about it, it sounds fairly insane. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the women's side, Stephanie Philippin, mm-hmm. 1555, pretty yep. decent. Yep, very strong there. there. And uh, the other the other uh, really amazing performance there, uh, Zach Beaven uh, in the 50 mile, running a 503 um, yeah. to take That's, the men's title, which is anytime you're, yeah, anytime you're tickling that five hour barrier is you got to step back and take notice. So that was, that was, uh, yeah. like I said. I'm doing a marathon these days in 503, so <laughs> pretty decent. And then uh, just real quick, we want to just touch on Desert Solstice. Uh, I, I was I had some really high expectations for Desert Solstice this year with yeah, looking at who was there, especially because there hasn't been a lot of top flight 24-hour racing. And you, you'd figure that some of these guys are taking more or less last shots at guys and gals, taking more or less last shots at the uh, the qualifying standards. You know, there was some yeah. talk that, that the American record might be in jeopardy. Um, it definitely did not play out that way. There were six or seven men i know who went out at world record pace for the first six hours people went out hard it went out yeah. insanely hard and uh, that just did not uh, they did not hold up there for long but uh, yeah. nick corey for the men with a, a really really strong 155 miles for the win yeah, and that should sure. place him solidly on the men's team for the world championships next year should they happen yeah and then uh, marissa lizak uh, 142 miles Decent, yeah, uh, good, strong decent, performance. You know, I think she was fourth overall, maybe fourth overall, first for the so, women. She's, I mean, good. already had a place as far as I'm aware on the on the women's team, but I think uh, improved on her standing there. So that should hopefully yeah. hold up. And a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of uh, age group American records. Olivia LeBlanc uh, setting an age group 45 to 49, 100 mile record of 12:45, yeah. which uh, James and I were saying. I'm not sure if I'm inspired or demoralized by that. But, uh, yeah. you know, very strong. Bob Hearn throwing some records down as well. Bob in, uh, Hearn put up 55, 59. 55 to 59, 200K American record. And, and Jake Jackson, friend of the pod, an age group American record also for 200 kilometers. Um, both of uh, yeah. uh, Jake bowed out at that point. I, I think Bob continued on, but did not uh, put himself Bob did. in qualifying yeah, yeah. position. Yeah, he continued on. Yeah. yeah. So. Okay. So that was a real whirlwind tour. And, yeah. uh, you know, we'll... We're, we're, I mean, I'm excited for the stage race today, man. It's a stage race, you know, (laughs) as the first event, that was the uphill sprint. We hammered it. The prologue. That's right. That was the prologue. Lovely. We're going to take a quick break. You look uh, a little out of breath uh, over there. I'm a little out of breath. We're going to, we're going to let the, uh, the Sonnier's, uh, give us a quick rub down and, uh, we will get back to it in just a minute with the great Dylan Bowman. I'll roast a couple more chestnuts whilst we're uh, getting Dylan. All right. We are very excited to welcome into the pod our great friend and great friend of the podcast, former guest and North Face athlete, Dylan Bowman. Debo, welcome back to the Pain Cave. 
Dr. J, Phil, thanks so much for having me, guys. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. It's good to have a little West Coast in the, in the podcast, uh, in the pain cave tonight. It's really yeah, good. Thanks for staying up late for me. <laughs> yeah, we're both normally in bed by by like nine o'clock, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we talk a big game. We, we, that's yeah. right. We, 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 once we start drinking at like guys. seven, then we got to be in bed by nine. It's problematic. <laughs> Dylan, this, is, this has been a, a, dare I say, a fucked up year. As a, you know, an observer of the sport, as Phil and I are kind of close observers and fans and, you know, sometime participants. And uh, on your side, I know you're an obsessive fan of the sport, but also a person who makes his living off of the sport. Just before we get into it, just give us a little sense of how how this year kind of played out from your standpoint, trying to make a living as an ultra runner when there was really no ultra running to be had. Well, I mean, I don't want to come off as woe, woe is me. Obviously, people have it much more uh, difficult than I do this year. And so, you know, that uh, caveat uh, stated here on the front end. Yeah, it was hugely disappointing. And Jay, you know that 2019 was not a particularly great year for me as well. So, right. um, you know, coming off uh, several difficult injuries and battling my way back to health and then having a, a good performance at trans grand canaria earlier in the year i was desperately hungry to just go on a pau capel style racing binge this year <laughs> and uh, make up for lost time from the injuries that sort of kept me on the bench in 2019 um so yeah it was it was disappointing in that regard but you know there's silver linings and everything and um luckily having just moved to the Northwest here in Portland, Oregon, it gave me a lot of time to do some fun adventure runs here in my new hood, including doing, you know, the Wonderland Trail FKT in August, which, uh, you know, gave me something to point my uh, ambitions towards for the bulk of the summer, made me feel like an athlete, gave me something to work towards and was ultimately a super, super fun and rewarding experience. So, you know, it could have been much worse, but man, I, I'm really desperate to, you know, get this vaccine in me so that I can <laughs> start traveling, competing again. So following on Instagram and, and, you know, the few times I get to chat with you now and then, it seems like your, your fitness is good. Your training has been going really well. I mean, I know a lot of people have kind of taken this year as kind of an opportunity to, you know, either reconnect to the sport or rehab some injuries or maybe focus on aspects of their running that they would consider weaknesses, be it speed or, or downhilling or, or technical stuff. Or, I mean, what have you taken out of the last couple of months of training that you feel are going to carry into 2021? You know, to be honest, I think it's more like both the year that I had last year that was mostly thwarted due to injury and this year where I didn't really get to race that much and didn't really like train a heroic amount. Honestly, I think that those two years back to back ultimately extend my career a little bit. Obviously I've been in the sport for a long time. I've done a lot of really hard races. Of course, when you do a lot of really hard races, it means you do even more really hard training. And so, you know, this year, obviously, I, I trained really hard before Trans Grand Canaria. I had a good block before the Wonderland Trail, but most of the year has just been kind of uh, maintenance running. And it, especially since the Wonderland, I've had a really good time. I'm, I'm actually working on a big new like kind of personal project and of course i have a day job and so those those two things have taken up uh, a lot of my time and bandwidth and it's been really great because it's allowed me to kind of 
use my brain in, in new ways and kind of stretch myself in different dimensions. And, um, you know, the, the actual run training has been pretty minimal, but um, I've been feeling great in the last two months. I've been doing two workouts a week, you know, uh, with, you know, really good consistency and feeling better and better and building fitness, but basically running like an hour, hour and a half a day, and then doing a little bit longer run on the weekend. So a little bit of intensity, but not much volume at all. Mm -hmm. And as somebody who's been running ultras for more than 10 years, honestly, it feels really good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the muscle memory is there, uh, to, you know, when it is time to turn up the volume again, I'm, I'm sure that I'll be able to, uh, from the fitness point that I'm at now. Awesome. So it's been great. It's been, it's actually been a good year. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I, I I'm going to, um, I'm going to redirect this because I could, I could get into asking you about your training and then we could start, you know, talking about different, you know, workloads and everything else. And I, I'm, it's, I'm going to derail the podcast. So yeah, let's, let's get into our, our year end recap. And we got some, some kind of traditional things that we were, we're going to go through in a couple of fun categories. You know, I think we'll, we'll start off on a little bit of a, a down note, I guess, but I do want to acknowledge um, a couple of the kind of difficult storylines and difficult uh, unfortunate uh, events of the past the past year in you know obviously uh, 2020 has not been a great year uh, in, on a, a great number of fronts but in our own little corner of the world um, we did recently have a, a terrible loss in our community uh, Andre Hughes or the great European uh, trail and ultra runner suffered a fall while training and and uh, unfortunately passed you know, there, there was a, I, I feel, I feel bad, Phil, that we didn't kind of address this last week when we, when we had a couple of pods on just, uh, just briefly, but I, I think this is a good time to just kind of, uh, pay our respects a little bit and, and, uh, acknowledge her, her passing. Uh, Phil, I'm sure I, I didn't know her at all. I, I, I doubt if you did, but Deba, do, did you know Andrea at all? And, and, you know, you've, you've been racing overseas for a long time. I'm sure you've come across her and met her a couple of times. Yeah, only very loosely, but I, I have met her on a couple of different occasions. And one of the things that sticks out in my mind is, uh, I think it was the 2017 UTMB where Nuria Picas won the women's race. Mm -hmm. And she had a huge lead throughout the day and ran a, a super strong race. But at the end, Andrea Husser battled back from, I think, an 80 minute, 90 minute deficit and ultimately finished only two or three minutes behind Nuria Picas, uh, in to, to close out an incredibly strong UTMB. And if it were a couple miles longer, she may have actually caught her. Um, but yeah, she was that 2016 Debo? Um, maybe it was 2016. Not yeah. She was second, right? Yeah. 25, yeah. 25 hours. Yeah. Impressive. But, yeah, I mean, for people who don't know who she is, definitely look her up on DUV yeah. Ultra and take a look at her race resume. I mean, there was really nobody that was stronger, tougher, race more often. Um, and, you know, she's definitely somebody who was really well respected. Again, I didn't know her really well personally, but I know people who did. And, uh, you know, she she had a great reputation. So it's a big yeah. loss. Yeah, it's a it's a uh, terrible loss for the community, especially in like I said, such a difficult year. The other one I wanted to mention quickly uh, was you know what's been going on with Tommy Rivers, who is you know the great uh, trail runner and marathoner from uh, the U.S. who you know had a, a very difficult illness earlier in the year that took some time to diagnose and ultimately was diagnosed with a very rare uh, form of I think lymphoma. 
Um, and and sounds like he's kind of on the mend now. Maybe things are maybe looking up a little bit. There was a, a really uplifting GoFundMe that uh, helped to cover the cost of some of his medical care. I hope I hope most of his medical care because you know uh, he he has a family with some young kids, and I know those bills were going to be somewhat astronomical. Uh, also, somebody who I don't know personally, but you know his reputation precedes him as just an unbelievably cool guy and and just kind and giving and everything else and and a great father as well. Um, Debo, I, you know I hate to keep putting you on the spot as our resident uh, elite uh, you know athlete journalist or whatever, but uh, any, anything to say about Tommy? Yeah, you know honestly, I don't know Tommy super well either, except for being a fan and admirer and follower of his for a long time as well. I kind of view him similarly to how I view Ricky Gates, who I know much better, but you know, he's a great just personality in the sport. Somebody who I think has an artistic kind of bent to him, uh, an artistic disposition. He's really good with words. He's really good at inspiring people in kind of unique ways. And uh, I know for the people in Flagstaff and that running community, you know, it's been really difficult for them. And yeah, as you said, for Tommy and his young family, obviously I, I couldn't imagine anything more traumatic to add to, you know, a year that was not uh, lacking trauma to begin with. So it's yeah. been amazing. I mean, the, the the thing that sticks out to me is just how awesome our sport is. You know, and yeah. the outpouring of love and support, and um, definitely that's been that's been great to see. Yeah, it was it was an uplifting. I don't want to say uplifting because you, you don't want to ascribe that to anyone's suffering. But uh, right, it was it was very nice to see the community kind of rally around him and a tribute to to him and his family and everything else. So, uh, cheers to Tommy and and get well soon, buddy. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, my kind of takeaway from this is like, you know, life's fragile. It can change in a sec second, dream big and act on those dreams. You know, you never know what's going to happen next year, next month, next week, you know, get out there, you know, put yourself on the line, see what you got all the time and, you know, win or lose. It doesn't matter. You tried. Shoot your shot as the, as the Roaches like totally. to say. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. All right, let's try and put this shitty year behind us and uh, let's let's put a bow on this fucking thing and go out on a high note here with recognizing let's some superlatives from the year. You um, keep drinking that peak organic, you'll be going out cold. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> let's uh, let's start off with let's start out with Ultra Runner of the Year. We'll just start. We'll we'll go right from the top here. Um, there All is right. no, there is no official Ultra Runner of the Year this year. Probably a good thing because of the the limited uh, resumes on on you know, for most of the top men's and women's athletes, but that's not going to stop us. We are content whores uh, on, in the pain cave, and we're going to go ahead and pick our top five ultra runners of the year. I'll remind you briefly, guys, that these are uh, North American runners only, and these are ultra races only, so sub-ultra trail races results do not count, no matter how impressive they are, and FKTs also do not count. We'll get to FKTs in a little while, so you can't take those into account when doing these. So let's go um, number five to one. We'll, we won't go as, as long-winded as we usually go on our Ultra of the Year podcast, but we'll go, uh, we'll go round robin five to one for the women. Uh, let's start with you, Phil. Who do you have for number five? On the women's side, or do you have a five, or do you have a top three? I may have said top on three. On the women's side, I have four. Okay, well, let's do top um, four. I thought we were going to do three. Oh. I did. I did top three too. Jay. Let's, let's just do, do three. We'll three. do three. Very good. All right. Who do you have for number <laughs> so three? I'm going to drop number four that I was just about to mention. <laughs> oh, oh, honorable you, mention. Honorable mention number honorable four. Mention. Who do you have? Uh, all right, cool. So I've got Camille Heron As winning JFK. 
and Black Canyon. And, you know, she loves to drink beer and eat tacos when she's racing. I love that stuff. So, so I'm... <laughs> You know, she's you're, right in there at number four. You, for me. you are 100% trolling me right now, and that's fine. I like it. Uh, and it's going to shock you that I actually have her higher than that. So um, you have her number four. She's out of your top three. Okay, that, that's that fine. Organic's hitting you hard, so, dude. <laughs> Camille is your, your honorable mention. That's fine. Uh, I'm going to put in my honorable mention slot uh, Casey Lichtig, uh, the Pixie Ninja, who had uh, a really. You know, a fun year with a couple of uh, three 50K, local 50K wins at uh, Psycho Waiko and Goats and Bohemian Alps, all stuff that she likes to run in, in her uh, kind of Midwest. And, and also started the year with a strong sixth place at Trans Grand Canaria. So, um, yeah. all right, Phil, th- number three, who do you have? All right, number three, I've got uh, Marissa Lysak. Um, You know, great run at Desert Solstice and then, uh, you know, 48-hour records at uh, three days at the fair. Um super impressive yep. i mean she's just very very consistent um and you know i think when you break uh break a, an american record i think that's important so can't, can't argue with that i had her higher debo who do you have at three uh, i had the same as phil i had marissa i don't know her super well i don't follow the road and track ultras super closely but i know that she had a couple stellar performances including that 48 hour american record and uh yeah, you know, I, I look forward to seeing what she can do in the future, but nothing nothing else to add. Good, good. I had uh, in third place for me was Elsa McDonald. Only two events. And again, most of these resumes are going to be pretty thin, but uh, the win at Bandera uh, to start out the season and uh, also took a first place at the Tarawera 100 mile, the JV race over there. So I had her in third on my list. I'll just skip ahead and say that I had Marisa in second place. Uh, for the women with those those two big wins on uh, in in the twenty four and the forty eight hour, who do you guys have in second place? Debo, who is your number two? I, I had Camille. Phil already sort of covered this one as well. So you know she's getting better at the trail stuff. She's obviously yeah. no she's world class on the track and on the roads. Absolutely, and uh, yeah. I think if she keeps plugging ahead on figuring out the off road <laughs> discipline, she's you know got all the talent in the world. Yep. For sure. Phil, number two. Number two for me is uh, Francesca Muccini. Okay. Uh, the winner of Volstate, Volstate, third fastest time ever on the on that track. Um, you know, and she was she was had an outstanding run. Um, and uh, you know, she's uh yeah, threw down threw down a big result in my opinion. Okay. And then uh, why don't you just go ahead and give us your number one? I'm curious to hear hear who it is. My number one's gonna be Courtney winning bigs. Um, wow. Okay. You know, throwing down a, a a huge course record there, if you like. Um, yeah, I okay. think uh, you know she's uh, that was just just one result really, but uh, such a big result. Uh, that's that's my winner. All right. I am not surprised that as usual you have confused ultra runner of the year and performance of the year. Good job, Debo. Who do you have? <laughs> I had uh, Caitlin Gerben, but you're going to probably give me a hard time about this too because um, <laughs> Caitlin, honestly, like. You know, we're right in the same camp here, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome so, to my world. <laughs> Caitlin is, um, uh, has become a, a good friend of mine, obviously, a North Face teammate. And I w- had the good fortune of being at, at Trans Grand Canaria with her uh, way back before the coronavirus outbreak occurred where she won the race in really convincing style Mm -hmm. against honestly a world world world-class field of athletes uh from both us and europe 
um, a field that probably hasn't been duplicated outside of, you know, a Western States or a UTMB. And I, I just feel like Caitlin always flies under the radar and having spent some time with her this summer where she broke the Wonderland Trail FKT by, I think like three and a half hours and being able to witness that myself, spend time with her. I just think so, so highly of her. And I think that she really has everything it takes to be the best in the world. And I think, um, you know, the su successes she had this year will catapult her into that type of a uh, dimension within our sport in 2021, assuming things kind of return back to normal yeah. eventually. So Caitlin Gerben's number one for me. So I had Caitlin and Courtney as a, a tied for fifth in my overall because, right, they, they had transcendent single results, basically. Um, and, uh, you know, and that's one of the difficulties of the year, right? Is like, of course, race of a course. Lot of so I, I took the opportunity this year in a year that doesn't really matter to give Camille the, the number one spot. Since, so now I'll never have to do it again. Uh, she did, she did rack up three did get a COVID test recently or what? <laughs> three high, three high profile <laughs> wins, obviously JFK, Black Canyon and, uh, comps at the 50 K trail, uh, sorry, road championship. I'm glad this is being recorded. I never thought I'd hear this ever. <laughs> now, that's exactly right. Uh, I will point out, of course, no, none of the times all that shockingly great uh and and again we we judge camille on a curve all the time obviously because of her otherworldly talent especially on these fast tracks um but she did not put up any course records on on courses that you would you know might think would suit her but uh, no, no matter three three top flight wins and uh you know uh, an impressive resume in a short year enough for a uh a ultra under the year vote on my Side, I won't mention her DNFs at Three Days of the Fair and Javelina 100. Oops, I just did. Okay, let's do women's <laughs> performance of the year real quick. One to five. Let's just do them right in order because uh, I had your number, your both of your guys' number ones were were high up on my list. Debo, give me your uh, women's performance of the year because this is going to be voted on for the Ultra Running Mag uh, later this month. What'd you have? One, one through five. Okay, so I'll start with number one, Caitlin Gerben, Transgrand Canaria. Mm -hmm. I just talked about that. Sure. Courtney DeWalter, Biggs Backyard Ultra, Marissa Lysak, 48-hour American record, Elsa McDonald at Bandera, and Camille Heron at JFK. Okay. So, yeah, nothing much more to add there. I am a voter, as you are, to mm -hmm. Jay, and, uh, and that's my ballot for this year. I had some pretty similar ones. I'll just go ahead and jump in. I had, uh, I had Francesca Muccini as my number one for the, uh, the overall win at, at Vol State. I had uh, Marissa's 48-hour as number two. Courtney at Biggs at number three, Caitlin at uh, Transgrand Canaria at number four. And I kind of had those equal to each other. I wasn't sure which way to go. Perhaps I'll flip them um, if, if that uh, TGC field that you witnessed in person was as, as stout as you say. Uh, number five, I had uh, Jackie Pearl Hall, who uh, ran a 602 for a course record at Tunnel Hill for the 50 miles. Six, anytime you're getting near six hours, that's for women, that's like the five hour mark for the men. That's a, that's a stout time. So I, I had that in there. Phil, your top five for the performance of the year. Yeah, so uh, I got Courtney, number one, Biggs Backyard. Um, I've got Francesca Muccini at, uh, at Vol State. Um, then I have Caitlin Gerben, Trans Grand Canaria, uh, number three. Marissa Lysak in fourth. And I've got uh, Leah Yingling, um, Hellgate 100, course record holder in number five. That was a good one. Yeah. All right. My, and so our top four, uh, very top similar. Five. 
All yeah, right, we're, we're all pretty similar. Moving along to the men, uh, the men had there were a few men with some uh, some much more, uh, I, I would say, filled out resumes this year, and and this one was a little harder for me to narrow down. I actually I felt pretty good about going five deep in this one, and and I actually had some honorable mentions going all the way out to number nine. So uh, I can go as deep as you guys want. How many do we have here for the men? Let's stay at three. Oh, God, you're going to make it hard <laughs> on me. I said, okay. How did you get to nine? I struggled to get to five. Oh, no, I, I had some. I was scraping the barrel. Some good. I, I mean, th- three. You got, you got three legit. I mean, you got. I got three or four legit resumes here. So, okay. Yeah, three or four legit. Definitely nine. All right. I mean, so, I hope you got me in there as Vol State third place. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, <laughs> I'm gonna say, I'm gonna give you my six, seven, eight, and nine right now, and and I don't know if you guys are gonna have any of them in your top three. I hope not, because that means I misjudged something badly. Uh, nine, I had Max King, uh, who had two pretty good results in the early season. Uh, number eight, Pat Regan, with uh, two wins uh, this year, including a course record at the Yeti 100. Uh, Jimmy Elam, number seven, with wins at the Bear and at, uh, I think, I Am Tough. And Alex Nichols was my number six. Any of those make the top three for you guys? Uh, Jimmy Elam did not run I Am Tough. Not uh, I Am Tough then. It was Bear and what was his other? Uh, oh, Tushers. He won he Tushers. He beat Schlarb at Tushers, yeah. right. Schlarb was, uh, was I Am Tough, yeah. Yep. Right. No, and, I, uh, and, yeah, he drinking was, the peak, dude. Keep drinking the peak. I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> uh, I, had, uh, I had Elam in the top three. I had him at number three. Fuck. Okay. All I right. have him at number four. So why don't four. you start there? You, you guys had, you had him at four. Wow. Okay. So he had two two races on his resume, right? Yeah. Two, two, races, and, uh, touches, yeah. two races, but both of which had, you know, competitors in the field and both of which yeah. had, you know, previous times on the course. And for me, yeah, like at Tushers and just like talking to people about Jimmy and that performance, it seems that this guy is the real deal. I haven't really, actually, I don't, I don't think I've really raced against him myself, but I had him on my podcast. We talked in good detail. He seems like a great guy and uh, like just super strong competitor. And that Tusher's performance, I think, you know, is one of those sort of um, performance of the year type things. And mm-hmm. in a year without many performances, yeah. that kind of puts you in the ultra runner of the year category for me. And then uh, winning the bear, uh, not super deep competition, but winning by an hour and a half or yep. whatever he did in a race mm. that's been around forever. Uh, that was good enough for me. And, top and, a, and a course record at Tushes is pretty good. That's been around a while. And like that has a good field over the years, you know, and like decent field this year. So and that, that was pretty That was big. a course record that he took out by, I think, close to an hour. Um, and he, he beat, as we, as we alluded to, Jason Schlarb there, who I had f- fifth on my list. Um, Schlarb also rigged the previous course record, and, and, but still not yeah. even particularly close to Jimmy Elam. So that's a, yeah. you know, you could certainly make the argument sure. there. All right, yeah. Phil, who'd you have at number three? Uh, number three, I got Tim Tollefson. Okay. Uh, Havelina, Pioneer, 50 mile, formidable 50K. You know, a, a good year. You know, he's a national champion in the 50 mile. You know, I like to give... Anyone that's a national champion or record holders, I think that has weight, in my opinion. It needs to have weight. It should have weight, you know. Uh, so he's in number three for me. So I had Tim actually up at number two, uh, as you alluded to, right? Uh, three wins this year. Pioneer Spirit 50 Mile, which was the um, the trail champ- championships this year, set the course record there and beat a pretty solid field um, that included Max King and uh, also included my number three, who I'll get to in a second. Uh, right, the, the win at Formidable. Uh, which is a, a a fairly sizable race and, and had the third fastest time ever there. And uh, then the win at Javelina, also in the third fastest time ever to a couple of really fast Pat Regan times. So 
I yep. had him in number two. Uh, my number three, I had uh, actually Kalen Kahn, um, the 50K national champion at Comsit. Um, yep. He put up, I counted six results, four wins this year, including Psycho Waiko, White Rock, and Schutzen 9, three course records right there. The win at Comsit in, uh, you know, a, a solid time, 257, not, not setting the world on fire, but on a very difficult day uh, with a lot of wind um, that, that mm. slowed everybody down there. Um, and then two other uh, good finishes, third at Pioneer Spirit, the na- uh, you know, podium at another national championship behind, you know, two all-timers and Tim and Max, and uh, second at the Hag Mud 50K to Max. So, you know, when you when you run six races and the only two people to beat you all year are Tim Tollison and Max King, you're doing something right. So uh, I had uh, him at number three. Um, okay. Who did you guys have at number two? Debo, who was your second for the year? I had Tim Tollison at number okay. two. Good. Yeah. Nothing, nothing much to add again. Yeah. I just really put weight on people who race other people and have depth of competition. Yep. Tim never shies away from that and had good results, not only in uh, pioneer spirit and formidable, but yeah, also Havelina, which he ran in October. So yep. Yep. Tim, uh, Phil, who was your, your number two? Second place. I have a uh, Hayden Hawks. Oh, uh, can't wait to see who have a number one then. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, well, you know, I already know what you're going to say about my number one pick, but whatever. Uh, course record, Jeff. I, I hope like, it's Camille. I hope it's Camille. <laughs> for the men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had a, he had a, you know, good. anyway, that's my number two. Okay. So, uh, Devo, who's your number one? Hayden Hawks. Yeah. Okay. Me too. Uh, Done you, deal. you want to run through his? I, I I didn't think this was particularly close, so uh, it, it wasn't. Yeah, it definitely wasn't close. It's it's well deserved. It's a shame that you know there really isn't a perform or an ultra runner of the year to vote on this year because Hayden, you know, is got a resume that rivals everybody in the sport, especially over the few years he's been in it. I think you know it, he's sort of been in the shadow of Jim Walmsley mm-hmm. uh, for exactly. better or for worse, and. Uh, you know, he's really the only person who has broken a Jim Walmsley held record, which I think is an amazing achievement in and of itself and puts him at number one for me with his performance at JFK yeah. among every other thing that he did. And I think next year, Hayden is going to be in a, a sitting pretty for setting the world on fire. hundred percent agree with everything you just said. Um, I mean, his, his resume, honestly, in a, in a limited year stacks up with some of the, you know, top resumes we've seen in normal years, um, with wins at Black Canyon, Squaw Peak, JFK, as we mentioned, the course record. And, and I, I felt the same way as you did, Debo. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how 518 compares to 503 on a flat course or whatever it is, but like you say, Jim's put up a shit ton of course records over the past five years, and I, I can't think of anyone who's broken one until now. So for whatever that's worth, uh, you know, whether or not we're, you know, o- overrating Jim, which I think would be hard to do, but, um, you know, that in and of itself, and then you throw a second place at Speedgoat on there. Uh, it's just, I mean, it, it was a great year for Hayden. Where, All right, where Phil. he had a bad day. He yeah. had a bad, <laughs> a bad day. day exactly. Second yeah. uh, okay, Phil, blow us away. Who's your number one? This is, this is going to be good. Number one, yeah, number yeah. one is C.J. Albertson. Okay, once again, confusing performance of the year with ultra runner of the year. But in, Phil, you're in, nothing if not yeah. consistent. This is your brand. I lo- I love the commitment to the bit. It's great. It's great. You Maybe do you, should, uh, you, do you <laughs> Phil. You do you. Take a segue to me cracking another beer. It's probably a good idea, right? <laughs> no, no, yeah. Give us, the, give us the C.J. Albertson, and then we'll have our second beer. Go ahead. 
you if you are a world record holder i think that that's you know in a year where there's been limited performances i think that holds a lot of weight it's a world record you know and that's been around for a long time you're the fastest runner in the world over 50k i mean look it covers you know multiple parts of the you know the awards but uh, I don't know. That was, you know, that was my opinion. I didn't think anyway. we had to litigate the performance of the year versus ultra run of the year debate again. But apparently we do. Phil, this will continue in perpetuity. I love that you are so committed to this. It's great. Never change, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> what, Debo, give me your top five men's performance of the oh. year before we move on to round two here. <laughs> okay. Okay. So number one, Hayden Hawks, JFK, breaking the course record. And I think something that's interesting and worth mentioning on that performance that I didn't say earlier, but I did say talking to Hayden on my podcast is that in 2011, David Riddle broke the course record at JFK running something like, uh, what was it like five? Anyway, he ran 20 minutes slower than Hayden did in one performance of the year right. back in 2011. So it's a, a perfect encapsulation of how far so the sports come. I'm, I'm going to interrupt you there and just say I've run JFK twice in, in I think, I want to say 2009 and 2010, somewhere right around there. And so back then, the fastest three performances, and this is only 10 years ago, the fastest three performances of all time, one of which the course record had stood since, I, I want to say, 1994, was uh, 546 by Eric Clifton. Number two was a 551 by uh, Howard Nippert, who was a multiple-time top 10 finisher at the uh, World 100K Championships. And number three and four, I think, were 553 and 554 by Mike Spindler, who is a current race director. So um, those were two two performances. So if you could run a 555 basically 10 years ago, you were one of the five fastest runners there all time. And Mm -hmm. just as you say now, a 555, you're maybe top five in the race, uh, let alone all time. You're nowhere near the top 10. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry, Diva, you carry on. (laughs) Well, I I was just going to say, you know, I can't speak highly enough for Hayden. I think he's got immense talent. He's also just a, a really good dude. I think he really is the type of person that makes our sport great, not only takes big risks, runs with serious heart and, uh, but also, yeah, embodies the, the spirit of the sport. And so that, that performance gave number one for me, honestly, I overlooked, uh, your boy CJ Phil. So, you know, you, you don't like you the board records. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, uh, I don't know a lot about the guy and I don't pay as much attention to the sort of flat out world record stuff on roads and, and, uh, and track. And there's no disrespect again, you know, like I just don't pay attention to that. So I think he has the indoor marathon world record as well. He does. does Yep. Yeah. A little, a little bit of a a speed freak on that stuff, but yeah, this this leads into a debate that we can have, you know, because as a, as a, uh, Roy voter myself, I always prioritize the races that the best athletes are doing, you know? And so to me, it's like, okay, Ran 242 for a 50K, seriously fast. I definitely couldn't do that. But like if Jim and Hayden and Tom Evans and, you know, the other Tim Tollefson, the other top athletes in the sport, if they're all racing together, where where does he place? You know, I mean, how much does Jim break that record by? You know, does he have a world record just by the fact that the best athletes in the sport aren't doing it? Well, but we did see we did see the two of them race at the Olympic trials in February. CJ and and Jim were both there and and CJ was seventh. I mean, the the, the argument I mean, I, I don't I don't disagree with with that point, Debo. I will say that the 50K road is 
probably a bit of an untapped market, especially on the U.S. side. Uh, or oh, yeah. I, I don't even. I, I don't want to say especially on the U.S. side because God knows how many Ethiopians and, and Kenyans could run two thirty five. Yeah. Um, but but even on the U.S. side, uh, right there, you know, the fifty k road is a special discipline that is not that much different from the marathon. And and I I do think our top marathoners, if they had the 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 inclination to go after it, could probably get it down under 240 or near 240 so yeah he is a top marathoner right i mean seventh yeah. place at marathon trials i mean he's a i think it what it really shows is like the diversity of our sport yes you know we're talking about 50k road running here and we're talking about people doing nolan's 14 you know it's just like we have this <laughs> incredible or doing colorado trail right you know like we have this thing it's basically like saying we cover from you know like 400 meters right out to like marathon Right in our sport, you know, it's it's an interesting thing of our of our sport. I think I, you know. I will agree when I'm voting for Ultra Runner of the Year. Generally, I do prioritize head to head competition and and people who are racing against big fields and beating the top competition. And I tend to maybe underrate a little bit like these time trial type performances or even you know quote unquote races where the field is thin, like a, like a Tunnel Hill where you know you put up a great time, but um, you know uh, you, who are you beating really? Uh, th those carry less weight for me. I think I agree with you, Dylan, in, in the ultra runner of the year voting, uh, performance of the year. I'm, I'm kind of an agnostic. Like if you're just going to put up, I, I don't care where, what the, what the venue is or what the format is, you know, uh, the performance is the performance. Uh, I'll, I'll buy it anyway. Yeah. And again, admittedly, I don't know much about CJ and obviously I don't mean any just disrespect to him. Um, so yeah, obviously super, super fast. Again, I couldn't run that fast, but I don't have them anywhere on my top five. <laughs> so, fine. you know, it's maybe an oversight by me, but, um, yeah, I had Hayden at number one. I had Noah, Noah brought, brought again mm -hmm. at, uh, speed goat at number two. Nice. Again, again, just emphasizing depth of competition, people that you race, he beat Hayden. He Only beat, guy to beat Hayden this year. Yeah. Yeah. He beat, um, Anthony Costales and, uh, and other guys there as well. Tim Tollefson at Pioneer Spirit, where he beat Matt Daniels and Max Kane, your boy Colin Callen. And uh, again, yeah, just uh, a super solid, consistent guy there. And I thought that was his best performance of the year. Jim Walmsley at Pemberton, 50K. And then Jimmy Elam at Tushers. That was my top five. Nice. Phil, what was yours? Give us real quick and we'll move on. Uh, so we're at performance of the year. Yep. Yep. Way to stay right, with so it. Good. Good. Keep your head in the game. I like it. <laughs> I was just waiting for the point to crap my next beer. I was, otherwise, you're going to give me a little segue there. Come huh? on, man. Be strong. Come right. on. I'll say strong. Um, all right. So number one, I got CJ Albertson. Right. Yeah, that's where oh. that's where that vote number belonged. Two, exactly. Yep. Uh, JFK. I got Tim Tollefson, number three, Pioneer Spirit, um, course record there. I got Pat Reagan. Yeti 100 course record. And then I got nice. uh, Zach Bevan, 503 at Tano Hill in the 50 mile, which is, yep. uh, is kind of smoking fast. Yeah, so I, I had a pretty, I had kind of a combination, I think, of the two of you guys. I, I also had CJ at number one for the world record there at, in 50K, uh, Hayden at number two. So I think that was the lowest he went on any of our, our boards there. I had Jimmy Limit Tushers, uh, number three. Uh, number four, Debo, I think I had the same as you, Jim's uh, 249 course record at Pemberton Trails, which uh, not not a race I'm super familiar with, but goes back 20 plus years, and he still broke that course record by, I think, 23 minutes. So that's ridiculous, of course. And uh, number five, Phil, I also had, I, I, I cheated, I had a tie between uh, Zach Bevan and, and uh, 
Taggart at Tunnel Hill with those two performances. You're bending the rules? I bent the rules. It's my fucking podcast, 503-1219. Uh, yeah, every time I do that, you bury me. But, you know, you were like, oh, that's cool. I got two guys there. Like, all good, all good. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, if you want to sponsor the podcast, then uh, I'll let you make whatever rules you want. All right. Well, I can right. throw a buck away, maybe. I think it's time for beer number two. Debo, what are you drinking? Yeah. Guys, I mean, this, I, I think, uh, gives away part of, uh, you know, one of the questions that we have later in the show, but Ooh, nice. I've become completely obsessed and addicted to a brewery here in the Northwest called Great Notion, and I'm drinking Ooh, a limited release double IPA called The Cloud Forest. I think it's, uh, let's see, it's 8.2%, so it's a uh, high gravity, high alcohol, perfect for our conversation. Yeah. Great Notion. Yeah. Basically, recovery brew. That's actually kind of that's kind of leads into my my later question as well. Surprisingly, which actually uh, will be quite interesting. But uh, yeah, I'm about to drink a Jackie O's Brewing. Nice. Uh, it's a cool beans, a coffee golden ale with lactose. Sounds uh, disgusting. Our local Good. running partner's brother makes this beer. Shout out Brian Ostrike, my boss. Yeah, Brian Ostrike. He's uh, crushed me on the on the skate ski today. I am going to open one of my favorite beers of the year, which you guys have been alluding to, but not actually my favorite. But this this is actually one that I, I've really enjoyed all year long. Little Wolf from Zero Gravity, a pale ale at 5%. I'll pop that one. Nice. Excellent. So, oh, that's so good. Yummy. Um, okay. Let, why don't we just jump to that? Our next category is uh, beer of the year. Debo, is that is that your beer of the year, the Great Notion Cloud Forest? Yeah. So, guys, Great Notion is basically the greatest brewery in the entire world. Actually, <laughs> Tyler Green, who uh, lives here in Portland, grew up here in Portland, and who uh, has the FKT on basically every volcano here in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, he introduced me to this brewery when I moved here about a year ago, and oh my god, it's uh, become an absolute addiction. And uh, wow. Just this past Saturday, I went over and bought $120 worth of beer, including this Cloud Forest stuff. Which that's, is, what, that's what Phil calls, Phil, Phil calls that Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's Pretty definitely my vote. I like that. Wow. So great notion. That's a, that's a Ken Kesey reference, I assume. It is. Yeah. And I just read the book, Sometimes a Great Notion, which is the... Uh, yeah, the the quintessential Pacific Northwest novel, which is also phenomenal, and which uh, yeah inspired the name of this brewery. I made it about wow. two hundred pages through that one. That was one of the very few books in my life that I've ever abandoned. Oh, try it again, bro. It's I, perfect for COVID. Okay, <laughs> good, excellent. We'll do. Phil, what's your beer of the year? Well, this is actually kind of interesting because I had no idea that uh, Great Notion was in Portland, um, Oregon. I thought. I didn't know where it was, actually. I knew it was in Portland, but I thought probably Portland, Maine, because I drank a beer it's very well read. In, 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 a, few, uh, in a, few, a few weeks ago called uh, Juice Equals Juice, and it was a collaboration between Equilibrium and uh, Great Notion, and that was my beer of the year. I drank it two, week, uh, two podcasts ago, yeah. was it? Yeah, or, when Sabrina was on. With Sabrina, yeah. It was so good. It Dude, was, I'm surprised you can find that stuff where you live. I thought it was like a Northwest well, exclusive. No, no, no. Equilibrium, Equilibrium is, is local, local to us. Oh. So they did a they did a collab with um, 
great uh, great notion so yeah i got some of that juice equals juice too because i love those so good those, those double ipas I so love was the that like the, the collaboration with equilibrium juice yeah. was juice number two because they did one before yeah i mean they um, do so many different collaborations and just yeah. kind of like one-off drops mm. that it's uh it's hard to keep track of everything but man it's amazing yeah it's so good that's that's my beer of the year i mean i had that i don't know a week ago 10 days ago it's, it was amazing yeah so good I'm going to go about shipping a case over here to the, to the East coast Evo and I'll ship you, I'll ship you a case of equilibrium over to you. Sounds good. I will say it makes you feel like absolute garbage and uh, you won't train (laughs) super well if you have a couple of them, but that's great. Yeah. Every, every morning afterwards, I'm like, I'll never do that again. Then I'm like, Oh, there's a couple more of those in the fridge. Yeah. I'll have one of those. That'll be great. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go for beer of the year, even more local with our, our, home brewery phil i'm gonna say the the yard owl 270 which is nice. yard owl you know our our good friends james and michelle and and christoph the the brewers over there um and this is not something any of you are going to be able to get anywhere unless you're going to make a, a road trip over to new paltz the grisette still my favorite beer from yard owl but the 270 to me this year uh i really i felt like i discovered that one and and i just wanted to shout out yard shout, shout out yard owl sorry i'm starting to slur a little bit um, <laughs> just er- early in the pandemic, they really came through with kind of these care packages at the end of the week. It was like a, you know, a Friday membership where you could swing by and, you know, get a couple of pints yeah. and, uh, uh, some, some homemade bread and some pickled whatevers. And, uh, it was just a, you know, it was not only is it great beer, but it was just a, a something I needed mentally and emotionally, uh, in those dark days in March, April, and May. So, um, I wanted to recognize them. And the 270 is a, a Belgian style IPA, which I really did like a lot this year. So, uh, that, that's my beer of the year and, and my, uh, brewery of the year for just, <laughs> just for my own mental health, I guess. And that's, uh, that's a barrel aged one, is it? Or no. So the barrel age that they were doing was the, uh, Chouette Dior which was right. also really delicious, but uh, a little bit too, like, uh, grapey for me. Uh, this was just like a, a really dry um, Belgian uh, IPA. Uh, so, right. you know, an IPA, but not, you know, overwhelmingly hot, not, not in the, you know, New England or West Coast style, style of being, like, super hopped or anything like that. So um, it was yeah. a nice, you know, just a nice, easy cool. drinking IPA. Yeah, so, that makes some good beers. Yeah, they're, they're very good over there. All right, let's get into some of our other categories. Uh, we'll we'll save FKTs of the year for a little bit. Let, why don't we do biggest controversy of the year? There were a few controversies this year. I, I think there's at least one or two for each of us to touch on. So why don't we each go around and pick our biggest controversy of the year? Debo, I'm going to put you on the spot since I know you don't like to say anything bad about anyone, <laughs> which is definitely not a problem that Phil and I have at yeah. all. So when you, you go first, we'll give you, we'll give you, you, you pick whoever you feel like you're probably not going to have to see or talk to or have on your podcast or, you know, uh, worry about for a sponsorship. What's, what's the biggest controversy of the year for you this year, Debo? I appreciate that, Dr. J. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm, I'm somebody who's not super confrontational, don't like controversy, um, uh, but I have to say this year has been difficult for all of us, obviously. And I'm going to be as sensitive as I can in saying this. So (laughs) give me some space. So, you know, I posted something that I thought was fairly innocuous ahead of uh, JFK this year saying, you know, basically, Oh, does anybody have the start list for the race? (laughs) 
and that was not well received you know <laughs> or it was it was well received by half the people and very yeah. you know not well received by the other half of people and i can totally understand it right you know there's everybody's dealing with this year in different ways and we all have to kind of respect each other's you know situations and level of comfort and all that stuff and uh yeah at the same time I'm a fan of the sport. I'm interested in hearing the stories and learning about what the athletes are doing. And so, you know, the whole, um, f the fact that JFK went off this fall in an environment where cases were going up and hospitals were, uh, were filling up, mm -hmm. um, you know, I can understand, uh, why people were, were angry that it happened. And, uh, you know, I was on the receiving end of some anger and, uh, you know, again, I can totally understand why that is, but that was the biggest country the controversy of the year for me was, um, just the fact that JFK went off the way that it did. And, uh, luckily it doesn't seem like anything serious came of it. Um, of course I'm, I'm not a doctor like you are Jay, so I don't know for sure, but, um, luckily that seems to be the case. Um, and, uh, yeah, I hope we can all move forward as a big ultra running community and give each other love here soon, um, and, uh, get through this, this period of controversy. Well, first off, I'm, I'm not going to fault you at all, D, but nobody is a doctor like I am. So let's just, we'll, we'll get that out <laughs> right in front. I agree. That was one of the three on, that I had on my list and I, I, I did p pick three. So I, I would know that I'd at least have one leftover from whatever you guys picked. No, that was, Phil and I talked about this recently, actually. I think um, I, I didn't feel, you know, as a, fa as a fan of the sport, I was super excited to see what was going to happen, especially when that start list kind of did come out. Uh, at the same time, yeah, I felt kind of uncomfortable with it, uh, especially it being the biggest ultra in the country and the closest thing we have to, you know, uh, a mass start, uh, you know, road race or something like that. Um, and especially at the time that it did go off and, and, I will admit in the week before the race, I, I, I kind of fell on the side of they probably shouldn't be doing this. The flip side of that being, it seemed to go off pretty well that we don't hear that there were any real problems. I don't know if that's anything to do with necessarily anything the race did or just speaks to the fact that maybe being outside and racing even in a, you know, sizable group with, you know, reasonable precautions maybe just isn't that dangerous an activity. But uh, I think, you know, as Phil and I said, this, this kind of created a, you know, for better or for worse, created a permission structure for pretty much any race that wants to go forward from now on. I mean, if JFK went off with 1,200 people, what's to stop uh, Leadville with 850 or, you know, Western States with 375 or Bandera with 600? I, I, you know, I, I think we're, we're, you know, for again, better or worse, we're going to be able to see a lot more races go off next year because JFK bit the bullet yeah. on this one. Phil, give me, your, give me your biggest controversy of 2020. Well, I mean... I thought the Killian 24-hour run was a little suspect, <laughs> in my opinion. You know, like, Killian's like an amazing athlete. Like, I love everything he does. I love what Salomon does. But, like, if you're just going to launch a new shoe, just launch a new shoe, you know? Like, <laughs> no need to, to plow the snow out in Sweden, have it set in this beautiful, like, you know, landscape and say, hey, we're going to run around a trek for 24 hours and we have a new shoe. You know, um, I can't remember the name of it. What was it? it was the 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 phantasm? Phantasm, yeah, exactly. Right. Yes. I mean, it sounds like a condom, you know, but like, <laughs> you know, that was like the new shoe. I'm like, 
I don't know. That was kind of like, you know, we all we want to sell shoes. I'm they're probably great shoes. They're brilliant shoes. Whatever you know, um, but uh, you know, I thought that was a bit kind of weird. We got this big secret thing going down. Killian's going to run a 24 hour. It was eventually announced. You know, we got this crazy new shoe for it. You know. Seems like it ripped his hamstring after 10 hours. I mean, I don't know. That was like kind of suspect in my opinion. <laughs> Come on, Phil. I can't let you get away with that. Why? I mean, Killian is a, is the goat. I mean, and they've got shoulder shoes. Right? And he, uh, you know, the, he attempted it in like heroic conditions. Well, like oh, he could have easily I think, I think flown to point. Spain. I think that's yeah. the point, right? Like the wrong conditions if, for if it. If this was a legit record attempt, would you really have it, it, on, it a, on a track that you were you were shoveling 24 hours before in Norway in November? <laughs> it was like it was like 30 degrees at best there. Right. Have it in like, Valencia, you know? That's what, I, that's what I thought. Is, let them well, throw the roses at his feet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like we're going to take down Yanis Kouris. You know, like he was all bent out of shape over it as well. He was like, you know, all over. Yeah, that, that was the controversy. That was the controversy. Is Yanis Kouris was not happy about killing going happy. after his record. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the whole thing was a bit. So I guess it's like a, you know, it's multifaceted, but it was a bit, bit of an odd one, if you ask me. Dr. Right. J. So you, you've, let, you've left me. Two big controversies in the non-spermicidal footwear uh, category. I'm going to take... Wear these shoes, you will have no pregnancies. <laughs> All right. So for, for mine, I'm going to take... I'm just going to go with the, the run bum controversy with Sean Blanton that came out earlier this year. And we don't have to rehash this. I think we went over this uh, at some length. We can link back to some of those episodes. But... Um, you know, Phil, I know you're running a GDR later this year, so I won't put you on the spot and, and make you unless I say something bad about him tonight. I, I'm not even <laughs> going to say anything bad. I'm just going to say, uh, you know, I don't know. Good riddance. That's that's my that's my opinion on that. So that's my controversy of the year. Let's uh, okay. let's move along to gear of the year. What was the best piece of gear you either discovered or enjoyed the most or something like that? Uh, why don't we start with Debo? I'm sure you can you can go ahead and plug something from North Face that uh, costs 150 bucks and none of us are ever going to buy. Dude, you oh, need to back off the peak organic, man. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting what, like... What a horrible introduction. I mean, I don't even know... <laughs> I don't even know what this controversy is that you're referencing and, and how you hand it off to me to, to pl plug something that uh, you totally shoot down. But I am going to plug something from the North Face. Um, and North Face obviously has been a phenomenal supporter of mine over the years. And uh, they have recently made a, a huge investment in footwear and hired an amazing team of people to actually create good trail running shoes under the North Face banner. Uh, it's something that, you know, they've made huge efforts at in the past and um, had a hard time sort of figuring it out. And now I really have great belief that they have an amazing team and an amazing product that's going to be coming to market early next year. Uh, the shoes that I wore during my Wonderland Trail FKT run and that I basically do all my running in right now is called the North Face Enduris. Uh, it's part of the new Vective line of shoes. Um, so you guys will all be able to enjoy those early next year. Uh, that's definitely my gear of the year. And I think everybody 
now going forward is going to really appreciate North Face as a proper footwear brand in addition to being the best outdoor apparel and equipment brand in the world. Okay, I think we better move on before Jay has another tip or something. Jay, what's your no, gear? Hey, it, sound, it sounds good. It sounds really good. Send me a pair. What's my gear? My gear. I'm going <laughs> to take you in a time machine back to 2005 and tell you that my gear of the year is a buff. I have never before run in a buff. Buffs are fucking great. You could do anything with a buff. How far behind the curve am I on buffs? Yeah. No, the buffs are great. You can wear them on your head. You can use it as a face mask. I've actually run in one as like a, a mini ski, a mini kilt kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. When I, when I, so that when was, I had to take a poo in my shorts, I actually pulled my buff down around my waist. That was my right. main use of the buff this year, obviously. <laughs> but um, I, I will say in a year where masks, for some reason, took on some sort of political significance or whatever the fuck that yeah. was about, a buff is, is really quite I, – I actually – I'm not going to lie. I, I did start using a buff as kind of a um, almost like an ice bandana at uh, Rocky Raccoon in 2019, and it worked out really well. So since then, I've kind of always had a buff on me in a longer race as kind of just a um, an emergency kind of thing. But, uh, you know, in a year where uh, if you pass somebody without something covering your face on the trail, you really got a bunch of dirty looks. The buffs came in uh, really handy. So for me, buff is the gear of the year for 2020. What about you, Phil? Nice. All right. So I've got, uh, I've got two pieces of gear. It wouldn't be normal for me to just, you know, st stay within the normal rules. Uh, my Path Project shorts stopped my, my nether regions getting um, very, very chafed and ending up looking like uh, beef carpaccio down there. <laughs> uh, so uh, that was really, really key for me. And also there's a, a little known diaper ointment called desitin, which really <laughs> also saved my crack and nuts basically uh in the heat of tennessee in july uh, and my feet i would highly recommend that to anyone you can pick it up from any pharmacy in the uh in the sort of uh the the kids kind of section uh but that will uh, keep your feet good and keep your uh crack and sack uh from chafing that's right so uh, yeah i yeah. highly recommend it they don't call it butt ruin for your clothes, but it's good so yeah, there you Jeez. go. Guys, what did you sign me up for tonight? <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be so controversial. At, at the end of this podcast, we're going to announce Dylan's new sponsorship with Desitin, Butt Paste. Uh, yeah, it's the good, it's the the cream of 2021. Congratulations, Debo. Literally the cream. All right. All right. I think we better move on. <laughs> All right, let's move on to a one that I haven't yet come up with an answer for. So I am going to think about my answer while you guys answer. What's your favorite trail? What's the favorite trail that you ran on in 2021, Debo? The Wonderland Trail. I knew the it. The 90-mile circumnavigation of, of Mount Rainier here in the Pacific Northwest. That does look amazing. Honestly, it's the most amazing trail. I put it up there with anything I've ever done in my life. I think aside from the UTMB, it's the greatest single trail that exists in the world honestly it's really really a fantastic it's, thing uh, it's around a volcano us. is that right yeah, it's, it's around yeah. uh mount rainier in uh, washington state it's about two and a half hours north of where i live here in portland yeah yeah so you know a little bit south of seattle and uh just a absolutely phenomenal trail so well taken care of 
incredibly difficult and insane scenery the whole way. So that was a true, true gift of my entire, my entire ultra running career was doing two laps around that this summer, one a reconnaissance trip and one the FKT mission. Awesome. Nice. That was cool. Phil, favorite trail of 2020? Um, well, I would say, like, I haven't really got out of our area that much, which has been kind of hard. So one of my favorite kind of trail and kind of off trail is the Catskill 9. Oh, nice. You know, so it's, some of it's on trail and some of it's bushwhacking, but, like, it's uh, it's a classic route. It's an absolute must-do in the Catskills. It will tear you to shreds. You will enjoy it. Literally. You know, it's like the views are great. It will – you'll get back and you'll hurt, but, like, you just feel – you know, 20 miles, 10,000 feet again, trying not to get your eyes poked out. It's just, it's just such a classic route. It's, it's probably my favorite route in the Catskills. So awesome. It's number one. I'm going to go with the, uh, the Northville Placid Trail, which is a, a favorite of mine since I've kind of grown up uh, vacationing in the Northville area. Uh, the Northville Placid Trail runs 130 plus miles from Northville to Lake Placid through the Adirondacks. And, um, you know, always been a, a trail that's intrigued me. I was hoping to try and go for a an end-to-end FKT attempt this year. It didn't come off. Uh, Davin Oskvig actually set the FKT this year, breaking a six- or seven-year-old record set by Cheryl Wheeler. Um, but I did a few recon runs on the southern section of the trail near where my parents have a place, and uh, got to do a bunch of runs there with my girls, which was super-duper fun. And uh, it is just a, a really kind of remote and um, very dense single track. It's it's all runnable, but, it, you know, it's it's just slow runnable, and it's kind of just the perfect trail to kind of ramble on and, and get lost in, in your thoughts or lost in conversation, and, you know, six, seven, eight miles go by before you even stop and think. So that was my – I had a few recon runs on the trail uh, this summer while we were up there and, and hoping to get the full trail in next year. Um, that, was, uh, that was my trail of the year for me. Cool. All right. Let's uh, why don't we skip from there and, and go into FKTs of the year, uh, which I think was kind of the biggest category this year, because as we have you know alluded to many times on this show and others, the lack of racing made FKTs kind of the big story for most of the elites through most of the summer and into the fall. Um, there are I, I was looking at the list of the contenders for FKTs of the year. Debo, do you do you vote on this one? I do not, and I'm I'm kind of happy I don't. I don't. I'm not even sure how the voting works on FKT of the year, but no, I don't vote. Yeah, I'd I, like to. No, I, I, I really don't want to vote on this one. I find this one to be even more gut wrenching than the. I, at least with you, Roy, I know you know kind of what the parameters are, and I feel kind of confident in my abilities to judge. With this, it's just like I have no fucking idea what's going on. But we'll we'll go ahead and and make um we'll make our picks. Uh, we're going to go top three for men and women, and I actually found a, a really ingenious way to cheat on this one, so I can't wait to ex- to, uh, to display that for you guys. But uh, why don't we go ahead? What are your... Uh, you lost that long. Oh, uh, it's going to be <laughs> awesome. You guys are going to be really mad at me, because this way I got like 15 different FKTs in. It's great. Um, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why don't you guys go ahead with your... Uh, Phil, why don't you go ahead with your top three FKTs of the year for the men and for the women? So all my FKTs? Well, why don't we do men? Let's do the men first. Okay. Uh, all right. So number one in the men for me is Joe Campanelli, Nolan's 14. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy, he sounds amazing. Like absolutely, like sounds like an incredible guy. You know, so many, you know, good mountain guys have been out on that FKT. That's that's number one for me. Number two 
is Tyler Green, Wonderland Trail. I'd like to add Debo in there. He threw it down a week before. It's a fucking knife in the back. That's what it is. Dude, it's not a knife in the back. No, no, it's <laughs> these, not. These no, records are only borrowed. You yeah. never own them. You only borrow these records. Uh, and then, like, number three was kind of hard for me. I mean, Greg Cummings with the Manitou Incline. I mean, running that thing multiple times every day for a year is just <laughs> that. I mean, that just doesn't make sense to me. It's just incredible. And then, you know, so kind of in joint third, I think Mike McKnight with the Colorado Trail. I mean, that thing just looks brutal, mm -hmm. absolutely brutal. I mean, so, it's such high elevation, such a long distance. Um, anyway, that's my top three stroke four. Awesome. Dylan, what do you got for your top three men's FKTs of the year? I had my boy Tyler Green, number one, for the Wonderland Trail. Uh, awesome dude, awesome athlete, super underrated. And he's just really good at FKTs. He also has Mount Hood here in Oregon as well. And he broke the Mount St. Helens uh, circumnavigation on the Lewitt Trail record this summer. And then I had Joey Campanelli in second on Nolan's um, awesome, freaking amazing performance. It, it could be worthy of number one of the entire yeah, year. I think one, just having taken four or five hours off a route that, you know, Alex Nichols held in the, the super fast time. I mean, he totally changed the paradigm. And then number three, I had Adam Kimball on the uh, Tahoe Rim Trail circumnavigation. Um, yeah, Killian, Killian held record, supported speed record around the Tahoe Rim Trail, uh, 37 hours or something like that. It's absolutely stupid. So that was my top three. All right. So this is great because I had almost the exact same top three, but I had a brilliant cheat worked out so that I can talk about even more of these. So here's my cheat. I picked not only the top three men and the top three women, but I also picked the top three routes of the year. And therefore, I got to include uh, those routes as the top. So the, the top three routes of the year include all of the different FKTs on those routes. So here you go. My top three routes of the year. The Nolan's 14, number one. Not only Joey Campanelli, who would have been my men's number one if I didn't cheat this way, uh, taking unsupported, taking down the supported record as well. Um, also, on the women's side, we saw an unsupported record from Sarah Hansel, and then I think three supported records, bang, 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 Sabrina, Megan Hicks, and Sabrina once again, um, who have been on our collective podcast multiple times now talking about that. So that's the, the root of the year for me, encompassing the men and the women. Number two, the Wonderland Trail, we saw two men's records by our very own Dylan Bowman and then Tyler Green, as as uh, previously stated. And also, I get to include on the women's side uh, a record that would have been uh, up there for the FKT of the year on the women's side, Caitlin Gerben, who we talked about earlier, setting the women's record on the Wonderland Trail. And number three, the Tahoe Rim Trail. Adam Kimball taking down the Killian's, uh, Killian's record from several years ago. And on the women's side, we got unsupported FKTs from Candace Burt and a supported FKT from Corinne Malcolm. Those are my three roots of the year for FKTs. And now I get to include three other FKTs that were not on any of those three roots. So suck it, losers. Number one, String Bean, Joe McConaughey takes down the Vermont Long Trail uh, record. That was awesome. Number two, I have uh, Michael McKnight, as you said, on the Colorado Trail which I have no idea how impressive that is, but it certainly sounded impressive. And number three, Jordan Fields 
uh, with the new FKT on the PEMI loop, which has gone down God knows how many times over the past several years, but uh, taking down a record from any number of top Northeast trail runners. Those are my top three non-root of the year FKTs of the year for the men. Go ahead with your three uh, women's FKTs of the year, Phil. Cool. Uh, Dylan, I've no idea what you just said, but uh, if anyone else understood that, please send us an email. That would be great. Um, anyway, top three women's FKTs. <clears throat> We're back to speaking uh, sort of something that's a little bit more comprehensible. Uh, women, Sabrina Stanley, Nolan's 14. So impressive. Um, taking down the record. Megan Hicks taking it down again and then going back for it. You know, a week later, that is very, very impressive. Second place for me, Caitlin Gerben. Wonderland Trail, super impressive from her. And then uh, third place, Alyssa Gadeski, Adirondack 46ers. You know, the, the, these Northeast FKTs, they're pretty hot. Uh, that was very impressive from her. So that's that's my top three. Nice. Debo, what you got? So I had Caitlin Gerben number one. Again, this is personal bias because I was there. Yep. I, I ran the last 10 miles with her. But again, I can't speak highly enough for Caitlin and her ability in the sport. I mean, she was 10 minutes behind what was the previous men's FKT before I broke the record. And then Tyler broke my record, you know, a few days later. So Caitlin's record on the Wonderland Trail, I think is going to stand for a long, long time. Yeah. And because of its history um, and because of the margin, I, I chose her as number one. Sabrina, absolutely insane. To run Nolan's 14 twice in the same summer. Crazy, there's, right? There's very few people who've even <laughs> run it twice. I think she yeah. was the second female to finish it twice behind Megan Hicks, who's also set the record twice. <laughs> exactly. I think it has like but a 20% success rate or something like ridiculous anyway. I think, and she's probably the first, the first individual, men or women, to do it twice in the same summer, which is right. yeah. just absolutely yeah, mind-blowing. So. Yeah. She was number two for me, and then Corinne Malcolm on the Tahoe Rim Trail was number three. So I had Tahoe Rim Trail number three on both of them. Nice. So I got to cheat my way around all your answers there. Uh, we already spoke about all those I had in my non-root of the year categories. Uh, Phil, as you mentioned, Alyssa Gadeski, the Adirondack High Peak 46 uh, FKT. I had that at number one. Number two, I had uh, Jess Marion on the Prezi Loop. And number three, Brittany Charbonneau on the Maroon Bells four-pass loop unsupported taking down the supported record there i have no idea about any of these but they all sound very impressive so <laughs> we don't, I don't think you can run supported on the four pass loop unless there is, you have like a pacer or something there is a supported record up there that she she broke by several hours that that must be it must be that just the, that your pace because it's, it's pretty on it's 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 not really uh, like there's, other than the yeah, start and the finish there's no there's no real access right there's no place where you can like meet a car and right. get resupplied right yeah so, all right. Well, whatever that's worth. Okay, cool. FKT of the year. There we go. All right, let's move along. We're, we're getting there. We're almost there. Let's move along to uh, best social media follow of the year. Debo, who was your best ultra running, trail running social media follow? So I chose Pal Capel here in this category. And I chose him because not only is he a great follow day to day, but he did the whole Breaking 20 project around... Mont Blanc. He ran the UTMB course solo. And in doing so via Instagram live, he proved that the live coverage of our sport is lazy, I think. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it, it was really amazing. I mean, people basically carried their iPhones on Pau Capel's 
Instagram feed and I could watch him run around Mont Blanc via Instagram live for basically the entire 21 hours that he was out there. And it was amazing and it was awesome. And it was exactly what I think this sport needs. And, um, you know, obviously like as a, as a fan myself, I want to see these types of efforts first person. And, um, so, you know, Powell's a friend of mine. He's a teammate of mine. He's an amazing athlete. I think he represents the future of the sport and it was a great vision of his to cover his project the way that he did. And, uh, so he's a great day to day follow, but I think he also kind of maybe, uh, progressed the coverage of our sport further with his breaking 20 project. Nice. Nice. Phil, who do you got? Uh, I have a uh, Francois de N. Um, you know, the thing I really like about him is like, not only does he crash crush in the mountains, like running, skiing, he has a family, he has kids and he's a winemaker. You know, I just like his balance of life to me just looks so good. You know, he's just, he's such a good mountain runner. He's doing stuff with his kids. He's making wine. He's delivering wine. I just, I love that, that balance. Like he's not just all about one thing. He has this like, you know, many things that he likes in his life and he does well in all of them. So I, I like that, you know, so he's my, he's my guy. I really enjoy seeing what he's got going on on, uh, on social media. Awesome. I was going to say Lucy Bartholomew, who I always say for this answer, but I don't right. want to out myself as a Lucy Bartholomew stalker. So I'm going to move on to somebody else and I'm going to shout out uh, Jason Mintz on Instagram, our good friend from the upstate New York area. Follow him at Vegan Ultra Runner one on Instagram. It is basically a, it's basically a mix of uh, his photos of his kids and super funny, super depress depressing tweets that he pulls off of Twitter. It is uh, at both times, at times hilarious, at times uplifting, and at times makes me want to, I don't know, stab myself in the eye with an ice pick. It's uh, hilarious and horrendous at the same time. Uh, so Mince, I see you, buddy. Thank you for a years of entertainment. You're number one on my Instagram stories every day. Thank you. Okay, we only have a couple categories left. So, Debo, I know your dog is probably dying to go out for a walk. So, uh, let's uh, let's blow through these last few. Power couple of the year. Do you guys want my nominees, or do you just want to go off the off the top rope with your winners? I think we just go with ours. All right, Phil. Who do you got? Who's your ultra running power couple of the year? I think in social media, it's probably you and me. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, anyway, I think, uh, I mean, David and Megan Roach. I knew you I were going to say that. Like, look, I know that, you know, we're swap team team runners, but I just think they're both crushing trail. They're both adding so much value to the sport. Just incredible people. Um, so they're my they're my, my number one in that category. Good choice. I had them in my, my list of six or seven here. Debo, who's your power ultra running couple of the year? So I don't, I didn't write anything down for this, but there's a lot of nominees uh, to choose from. I would say Rachel Drake, Tyler Green. From sure, I had them Oregon. on here. Yeah, very good. I'm gonna Amazing. go with uh, among a, a list of great couples here. I'm I'm gonna go with Amanda Basham and Justin Grunewald just because they're expecting a baby. So uh, Mazel Tov, you guys. Go on. Yeah, that's good. All right, podcast of the year, ultra running related podcast of the year, Phil. Well, I mean, I'm going to have to, number one is the well. I, I got to say, I know we got Debo here, but like, honestly, 
I, I have a little bit of a problem with that show at the moment because it's just like if I have a workout on a Wednesday and I don't have a well lined up to help me with that workout, <laughs> I'm I'm feel weak in the legs. Now, Debo, I love that show. It's my absolute number one. The, the the diversity of it, but the focus of it is just so incredible. Like the different people you have, but the stories, it's so good, dude. You do not stop that show. I love it. Okay, uh, my number two is okay. the Swap podcast, which I absolutely love from David and Megan. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely fantastic. And then Zoe Rome with the DNF podcast is my third. Yeah, great choices, Debo. This I, is I couldn't choose just like one, but Debo's is my number one. But I needed to mention the other two. Yeah, this so. this was not a setup. I also had the well at number one. Actually, believe it or not, yeah, and I will say that yeah, my favorite yeah. episodes are generally the non-running focused ones. Uh, I'm going to list yeah. my three favorite episodes right now <laughs> uh, from the last year. Um, and I'm not going to remember the names of any of these people, but your your friend from the Little Nell who was the uh, Somalia. Master Somalia. Oh my god, that's my number one as well. That is so freaking good. That was that was episode number that one. Was episode that was episode one. First episode. That was yeah. unbelievable. The recent one you had with um, your uh, entrepreneur friend the was Bitcoin yeah. episode. Fantastic, yeah. and yeah. I, I think my favorite all time with your. You know, I can thank you. I bought a Bitcoin after that. <laughs> <Yeah>. and, <laughs> yes. I'm trying to pull money I'm together. Like Twenty three thousand today. <laughs> Like you've it's made insane. me like you made me like six grand. <laughs> Thank you. Trust me, dude. Yeah, and uh, you're and your brother uh, coming on with that that I, I'm not going to say it changed my life, but it, as much as any podcast might have it, it it uh, came as close to changing my life as possible. So uh, not a setup, <laughs> and we we would have said that even if you weren't on the show. But uh, go that's ahead. amazing. Yeah, I mean, totally. <laughs> like the, the one with your your buddy in the in the little nail that he was like. He was in Starbucks learning about his wine. He was staying late learning about wine. It was it was so, so amazing. Good. So good. I loved it. That could well, be my favorite episode. Guys, thanks Bitcoin so much. Bitcoin one made me six grand. So that <laughs> might be actually my favorite. <laughs> six grand until it goes to zero. But <laughs> Dude, it's not going to zero. <laughs> no, it's definitely not going to zero. Yeah. Anyway. Well, well, thanks so much, guys. I mean, I'm having an absolute blast with it. I love you guys' show yeah. too. And it's great, great to be able to, you know, kind of, chat with you guys and i really appreciate the the kind words and um you know i think there's a lot of room for other people to be in the space within ultra running too and i think there's so many great stories to share and it's been an absolute joy and just to tease some things we are going to have some changes to the podcast yeah. uh, coming up at the first of the year i'm going to be announcing those on on the show on Monday in just a couple cool. of days. Right. So you, you don't have to tease it because we're not going to release this until after you've actually made that announcement. So you can go ahead and announce <laughs> it right now and it won't show up on anyone's feed until after you've announced it on yours. <laughs> well, well, let's just say that my brother and I are starting something together. That cool. is fantastic and news. And, that was our uh, guess. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be kind of rebranded too. And uh, so, Anyway, uh, uh, you you guys will hear in just a couple of days, and I'm I'm super excited about it. I think it's going to be something that will will benefit the sport and that will bring me a lot of joy, and that uh, I think people will like. So yeah, it's fun. Yeah. But my answer on this was, you know, obviously in, in addition to the Pain Cave and the Well, obviously there's uh, there's <laughs> so many good shows. Number one and number two. <laughs> I just um, I just listened to a great episode with my, my friend Mile Backhausen, an Australian guy who has a podcast called Stokely, an episode he did with uh, Dean Leslie of the, uh, he, formerly of the African Attachment, who's now a wandering oh, right. fever, the guy who makes a lot of the Solomon running films, including the mm. one about Ricky Gates mm -hmm. this past summer, Transamericana. 
and uh, and Myel, Madge, as as we call him, he's he's a great friend of mine, and he's so good at, at conversating. He's just an absolute brilliant talker. And uh, this this particular episode I just listened to was really really great. So check out that podcast. It's called Stokely. Nice, nice. nice. I did want to shout out also Billy Yang's podcast, uh, which just makes me angry because every time I listen to it. Um, I just wish I was as good at interviewing it he was as he was. So I don't subscribe and I don't listen to it often because it makes me mad. But um, if you don't have the same kind of jealousy issues that I do, listen to Billy Yang's podcast also. <laughs> All right. We're, we're in the home stretch here. Uh, let's look forward to 2021. We're going to spin it forward with two quick categories. What newcomer to the ultra or trail running scene are you most excited to follow in 2021, Debo? Rachel Drake, Portland, Oregon. Honestly, I think she could be one of the top female trail tracers in the world in the next couple of years. Uh, she is, you know, we've mentioned her a couple of times already, but um, both her and her husband, Tyler, I think are just tremendously underrated. She just finished second at the Golden Trail World Championship in Europe against some of the best runners in the world. Um, so she's, she's proved herself as being, you know, in that category. And I think whatever distance she kind of chooses to specialize in she's going to be good and i think that's kind of rare being yeah. uh versatile having the range between golden trail series length races and also being able to finish i think seventh she was at ccc so um you know her her uh, her range and her talent i think is going to become evident uh, in the next uh, few years as she gets more experience and travels more and gets uh, more more races under her belt against some of the best in the world. So Rachel Drake, I think, is is really somebody to watch. Nice. Great pick. Great pick. Yeah, it does seem that way. She's uh, She's got a lot of talent by, uh, by the sounds of it. Phil, what do you think? What are you looking forward to in 2021 for a newcomer to follow? Newcomer, I'm, I'm still gung-ho on Drew Holman. You know, like winning Bandera, like... Yeah. You know, he, he kind of, you know, like raced his own race. He, he really pushed hard at the end and won that race. Um, I'm, I'm kind of big on him. I think we'll see some good stuff from him next year. Yeah. I'll you give know, you I, I, know, I know Drew personally, and I can say that I think he is the hottest free agent on the market. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like he is a tremendously talented person. He comes from of ultimate frisbee background which i think is hilarious and yeah the best unique. of us do debo yeah so drew holman remember that name yeah yeah where Agreed. did he, where did he play ultimate i can't remember he's from the midwest he's from wisconsin uh Ooh, he might have played lives, at carlton he lives oh, in boulder Minnesota. now yeah. yeah he lives in boulder now and uh he lived in the bay area for a while which is where we met and became friends, but um, yeah, he trains with Matt Daniels, and yeah, he's, yeah, he's just he's just a super strong guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna yeah. go with uh, I'm gonna go with Justin Grunwald, who um, has kind of popped up uh, a little bit below the radar or on the radar barely over the last maybe 18 months or so. But um, this is one of the guys in the sport who has kind of gym level, max level speed, I think, and when he figures it out, is going to be a force on the trails. And, uh, I think as you know, obviously he's been through a lot of tragedy and heartache and it seems like he's, you know, on the right path and, and in a great place right now. And, uh, I, I expect big things out of, out of Justin in 2021. I think once he unleashes his full potential, I think he's going to be hard to beat. 
um, at anywhere from the 50K to the 100K on the trail. I think he's going to be a monster. Um, so he, he's been a little hit or miss uh, on and off, but I think we've seen flashes of talent over the last probably year or so, and I, I think that's going to that's gonna only go go up uh, in 2021. So he's my pick for, for newcomer next year that I'm excited about. Cool. All right. Phil, this is our last category, and we're gonna we're gonna finally let you guys go. Um, what 2021 storyline is gonna dominate, or what what are, what storyline or or big story are you excited about in 2021 moving forward? What's gonna be the big story of the year? Uh, I think Jim's gonna win comrades. I think that's gonna it's gonna be a massive massive win. He's gonna go there. He's gonna take it to comrades. He's gonna gonna crush that race, and this you know would be only. Would be only the second American man ever to win there, I think. Behind Alberto Salazar. Right. And might be the first clean American man to win there. <laughs> yeah, I think he's I think he's I think he's really got that in his crosshairs right now. I, I really think he's uh yeah, it's gonna be a big one for him. I think that's gonna what we're gonna see, and that's it is such a big race, such an old race. You know, it's a very, very high level road ultra. Um, I think I think that's going to be a big one next year. That'd be awesome, Debo. What do you think? What's your what's your big headline for twenty twenty one? Just touching on comrades for a sec. I think it's going to be a huge storyline in our sport with Jim racing, and I think Hayden's going to be racing as well, uh, unless he decides to take that golden ticket to Western States. I know he's kind of having an internal battle about that. <laughs> Plus. Um, Tom Evans might be racing too. And I think the three of them yeah. all have the talent and they're all kind of like that anomaly athlete who have the speed to win something like comrades, but also win something like UTMB. And, uh, I think that's just so good for the sport. And yeah. I hope all, I, I really hope all three of them go yeah. to, to go to comrades. Although I know, uh, Hayden's also in the field at Western States and it's probably difficult to go. Yeah. I think, Sorry, Debo. I think Tom Evans is an interesting story. I mean, he's an insanely focused guy. You know, when he sets his sights on something, that guy, he he's really zeroes in on it. I think he I mean, if we're stepping outside the US, I think he's gonna really be big next year. And in the next few years. He's a he's a massive talent, I yeah. think. He's 100%. English, of course, right? But yep. you know. I mean, he, he's got a faster half marathon time than Jim. Um, yeah. Of course, Jim got the better of him by a, a pretty large margin at Western States, but it yeah. was Tom's first try. I, I mean, I, I just love those guys, all of them. Yeah. I just love those guys. I think they're all great dudes. I think they're all super, super talented. I think they all make our sport su much better. Totally. I hope, I hope all three of them race against each other. It's going to be amazing to watch that. Yeah. Good, good for the sport. Uh, personally, what I, I'm th looking at is um, structurally, I think we're at a really interesting place within the sport because COVID has changed things. I, I don't know the economics of a lot of the race organizations. I don't know the economics of a lot of the um, race uh, series that are going on, but I would expect there to be some movement within that space. For example, is there a reason for both the Golden Trail Series and Skyrunning to exist? Um, is there now more opportunity for the Golden Trail Series to be more like the Tour de France, where it's more of a, a stage racing right. type experience? And, and if so, I know for a fact 
that ASO, the company that owns the Tour de France, has been looking to get into our sport, and therefore maybe they try and acquire something like the Golden Trail Series or um, you know some other race race series. Um, obviously, like the Tour de France is a three-week multi-day circuit, and that doesn't really work in trail running, but you know, if they wanted to get into a multi-day race like the Golden Trail Series did for their championship this year, or uh, even like a, a more like one-off race series that the Golden Trail Series has been over the past couple of years, where it's races every couple of weeks or month uh, through the summer season, I think that's going to be really interesting. Brands like Spartan and Ironman, I think, are just going to get even more hungry to have a footprint within our sport. And so mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think that's going to be a huge, huge thing this coming year, especially as we emerge from COVID. And uh, races like obstacle races are, are still probably going to not be that attractive to the average consumer as much as just running around alone in the mountains are. We'll yeah. I, had, I had similar thoughts as you in, in terms of the kind of the big picture um, where the sport is going, I, I think I think all of us still see growth within the within the space. But Phil and I have talked about this before, like the kind of the saturation of the market with these different series. And it's it's kind of exhausting to try and follow between, you know, the Ultra Trail World Tour and the Golden Trail Series and the Golden Spike Series and, you know, 15 different series. Um, and I wonder in the wake of COVID and the financial pressures that are that it has placed on just the the world economy in general, right? What what kind of consolidation are we going to see? What kind of kind of carving out of the space are we going to see? And and who are who are going to be the real power players? And who is going to kind of have to fall by the wayside a little bit? Because it can't right. We can't have all these different series in perpetuity. It just doesn't make sense. And and you know, if the sport is, I, I think if the sport is going to kind of grow to the point at which most of us think it belongs, which is probably on the level of, you know, cycling and, and kind of some of these kind of sports, it, it probably does need a little bit of consolidation and, and uniformity, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think obviously UTMB is the, is the best race in the world. It is the Tour de France of ultra running. Yeah. And because of that, they're in the driver's seat and I hope they use it productively and I think you know very highly of the people who run that race and I think they have the best interest in this of the sport in mind um, one of the things that I think would be good is if they took you know if the ultra trail world tour and sky running merged I don't know the relationships there or you know what the varying interests are there but having longer races and shorter races and yeah, more of a circuit, maybe more races distributed around the world, right. uh, not necessarily only 100K plus, uh, and then having the crown jewel of UTMB, which has not only the best 100-mile race in the world, but also one of the best 100K races in the world with CCC. Right. Obviously, TDS is a world-class event itself. OCC, all those races are world-class yeah. races, and, and I think there's diversity in our sport in terms of um, – distances and um, pigeonholing their, themselves into being just for long course ultra trail racers and not sky running slash shorter half marathon to marathon to 50k 
uh, distance races is is probably to their detriment, and uh, I think it'd be good for the sport to see it consolidate a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, I think one of the things with sort of the you know UTMB like series of races is, and you touch on this before, is the coverage. Like the coverage is so good, like it's 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 so much beyond any other coverage of races. You know, you have so much good information. You have great coverage in the aid stations. You have people like there was someone running with Courtney for the last like, I don't know, 10 miles of the race downhill with a camera. You know, I mean, absolutely insane level of coverage. I think that's so incredible. And hopefully we'll see that come on to some other big races. Um, and that just opens it up when people are seeing with their eyes, you know, watching these things that really starts to draw people in. Yeah. I had on my list some of the things that we talked about and, and you know, I, I had a very kind of uncontroversial opinion that uh, U.S. women would, would take the podium at uh, UTMB again, I think, with Sabrina and and Courtney and, and whoever else is going to be there. I think they have to be the favorites. Um, great by the sounds of it. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm ready to go out on the limb and say that this is the year that the U.S. men you know, finally climb the top step of the podium, but it's as good a year as any. Um, and it's going to happen one of these days. Uh, I don't, Debo, I don't know if it's you. I don't know if it's Tim. I don't know if it's Alex or Jim or whoever it's going to be. But, you know, one of these days we're going to have a U.S. sweep at the at the top of UTMB for the men and the women. And, and this is just as good a year as any, I think. No, I, I agree 100%. And I think uh, we'll see what the start list looks like here in a couple of weeks. I know Jim plans to be there. And uh, I know Tim Tolson plans to be there. And uh, I'm sure there'll be a huge, huge contingent of people behind them as well. On the women's side, obviously, we've had a lot of success. The women's field at UTMB this year was supposed to be insane on the American side with Caitlin and Courtney and Sabrina and Claire Gallagher, among many, and Hillary Allen, among many other people. So uh, I have no no shortage of uh, optimism in the women's side, and uh, I think it's it's up to the men to now prove that we can close the deal there in Chamonix. Yeah. All we got to do is kneecap Pau Capel, and we should be all set. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. This was super fun. I had so much fun, and I can't believe how long this fucking podcast went. Debo. You drank two beers. It's pretty good. That's two more beers than I've drank in the last right. several weeks. <laughs> Debo, go back to your dog, go back to your wife. Have a great uh, evening. Best of luck in the new year. I can't wait to hear what's coming with the new podcast. And uh, we'll see you on the other side, buddy. Oh, yeah, guys. Thanks so much. It was super fun. Talk Thanks, to you guys. Thank you guys Thanks. for listening. And until next time in the pain cave, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Broken down and beaten up. The years have been long and tough, but I'm not dead. Happy now just to spend some time with friends and have a roof above my head. I'm not jaded, just been faded like a good old pair of jeans. Rusty like a proud old car that's drove a little too far and seen too much rain. But long ago, as a child, I look about the night sky in the bus feel upset to think of all the years I'd have to go through there I was still young I was still young I was still young Whoa. 
Monica 